Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. On the latest episode of The Other Side, it's an all-new Bigfoot Movie Club discussion. We continue our trek through 10 of the most notable Bigfoot horror films of all time with the found footage Sasquatch Thriller exists. To listen and unlock multiple bonus episodes every month, subscribe to BCC The Other Side at patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer, Riley Bray. And boys, I say we just get right into tonight's episode because we have an amazing guest with us uh, tonight. Let's bring him on in. Uh, he is an actor. He's a comedian. He's a writer. You've seen him on shows like Comedy Bang Bang, Superstore, and Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, and a million other things. Uh, everyone, please give a warm Club Scout salute to Mr. Carl Tart. Yeah. Hey. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Carl, thanks for being here, Carl. My thanks biggest for being... credit to date, Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. <laughs> what what did I, I say? I don't know what that is. What wrong? is that? It just came <laughs> no, out. No, right? no, no. I, it just came out. It's on Netflix. It's, you should check it out. These oh, really funny dudes from Australia. They uh they're really funny and they got a sketch show on Australia uh, on Australia. On Netflix. <laughs> oh damn. And, All right. they, and it's it's cool. We got to do some bits in there. It's really fun. Uh Scott Ackerman of comedy bang bang fame produced it and so he threw us in there in little bit parts and it was real fun to do awesome so, yeah and and uh i just wanted to note to our listeners that you're in the middle of cooking uh what sounds like an amazing dinner tonight yeah i made a little shrimp penne uh with a tomato basil cream sauce oh wow. and also uh roscoe's chicken and waffles famed chicken and waffles restaurant here in los angeles uh, mm -hmm. shout out to the listeners who know what's up uh they now have freezer section chicken wow and so i got me a couple wings and i'm just checking them out and seeing what seeing what they talking about seeing what they gonna do i mean it is the pandemic you might as well have it as a as a frozen food in your in your freezer aisle why yeah. not oh if, yeah. if it's good i'm about to go buy like 30 boxes <laughs> while y'all buying toilet paper i'm buying roscoe's chicken wings I had a freezer food discovery during the pandemic, which was like became my like Saturday night, like midnight movie snack, which was discovering that you could buy White Castle burgers in the freezer food section, which yeah. are obviously terrible for you, but so delicious and so comforting during a pandemic. Do so you put anything on them? I don't. I, I look. I'm a bland foods guy. I'm. I'm really sad that way. I just and I, to me, the little diced onion on it is enough because that's what it tasted like when I was a kid. So oh, I is just, that how it comes standard with just a little diced onion? Yeah, they, cheese and a little diced onion. That's kind of kind of it. I think there's it. diced onion on there, or it's in the whatever the patty is. But, I'm about uh, to blow your mind real quick. Yeah. So first of all, let me ask you if you do this when you cook it 
in the microwave, do you keep the plastic on? I do. I open, I follow instructions. I take one, I pop open one end. I don't I do that. I thaw them first. Okay, tell me what to do. <laughs> don't do that. When you take it right out the freezer, just throw the whole thing in the microwave. A minute and 45 seconds, maybe even a minute and 30. <laughs> it steams inside the bag. Right. Open the joker up, careful, it will burn your fingers. <laughs> right, open that right. Up, put your little mustard on there, a little mm. ketchup, and a, and a slice of pickle. See, now, I use sweet dill. That's I, I like, like the sweet, sweet dill. Pickles. I like sweet dill. And then you just throw that on there, two bites, and you have it. <laughs> that's all it takes is two I'm bites. Two bites to heaven. I'm, a See, I'm struggling. <laughs> this because is a new we don't, segment we don't called Carl's Two Bites to Heaven. <laughs> We're going to have two him bites. back every week and tell us how to get through the pandemic with the most delicious eats. See, I'm making I'm making it with two kids and a wife with no microwave because uh, my my wife thinks it's you know, well we're we're she's pretty healthy so we've never got on the microwave board but we're struggling right. we're struggling because of it let me tell you yeah they don't yeah, hit they don't hit in a toaster oven like that I'm telling you <laughs> no yeah <laughs> you, you, in your man cave you need to have a microwave and a little mini fridge where you can keep your White Castles they don't hit in a toaster oven the burger right. the White Castle joints don't hit in the toaster now I'm from the south and we got Crystal Burger and if I can find some freezer section Crystal Burgers I'm two bites to heaven y'all I've heard <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about Crystal Burger but I've never had it it's White Castle basically yeah oh man but just tiny burgers. That White Castle was what my dad always like would sit and dream of. He'd be like, I really want some White Castle right now. Mm-hmm. I, I knew my dad was like in a either a great mood or a sad mood when he was like, Let's go, we're getting White Castle. And then we'd have to drive <laughs> to like the other side of town to go get it. It was great. I was always so excited. When me and my guys can still can I'm in a uh, improv group called White Women and when we go on tour, me and Ify are the two big eaters and we we lift enough so we can eat as much as we want. But uh, any anytime we see a White Castle or some fast food, we just go in there and just tear it up like the Dudley Brothers. Like, <laughs> don't have it in L.A. It's nah. sad. Yeah. What about real quick before I know we're while we're while we're still on two bites to heaven? What about an air fryer? I got one. Oh yeah, I heard those are all the new rage now. Yeah, it works. It works. You throw some wings in there. You 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 batter them up with your favorite seasonings, and you throw them in there. Maybe give them a spritz of oil. I tell you the one thing that that is, you will put them in there for the allotted time without oil, and then you open it up and you still see spots of flour. Mm. And so that's when you take a little oil in your fingers and you kind of spritz the oil on like that in those Man. spots, cover up those spots, and then put them in there for another five minutes. Two bites to heaven. You like man. a connoisseur. I love it. Seriously, you need a cooking show. Oh, right. I eat, man. I eat. Carl, we need the review of the Roscoe chicken. Is it just the yeah. chicken or the waffles, too? It's just the chicken. It's just All the right. chicken. I wish they would put the waffles in the freezer section. In Remind me, one of you boys, and then I'm going to get this review from Carl, and I'm going to put it in the show notes under Two Bites two bites to Heaven Review. All right. There you go. And you got it. We'll find out how, how it went. You got it. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Carl. Uh, Bryce, you brought in some a new story for us this week, didn't you? I did. Actually, I saw it, too. And then Riley uh, binged it over my way as well. But, I got a yeah. couple people hitting me up with this as well. And uh, so I actually decided to wait to hear the full thing uh, for this moment. Yeah. Uh, Riley, you know what this means, of course. Carl, mm-hmm. we have some... Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. See, this is what happens when you have a paranormal podcast, Carl. Whenever something strange comes out in the news, every, all your friends go, hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> uh, but anyway, this was uh, this definitely caught my attention. So I'm going to uh, report this out of The Guardian. Uh, but the headline is, Helicopter Pilot Finds Strange Monolith in Remote Part of Utah. State employees spotted a mysterious metal structure amid the red rocks while counting bighorn sheep. A mysterious monolith has been discovered in a remote part of Utah after being spotted by state employees. Oh, I just read that part. The structure, (laughs) estimated at between 10 feet and 12 feet high, appeared to be planted in the ground. It was made from some sort of metal. It shine in sharp contrast to the enormous red rocks which surrounded it. Utah's highway patrol shared images of both the sheep and the monolith. The helicopter pilot, Brett Hutchings, told local news channel KSL-TV, that's been about the strangest thing I've come across out there in all my years of flying. 
Hutchings was flying for the Utah Department of Public Safety, which was helping wildlife resource officers count bighorn sheep in the south of the state, when one of the biologists is the one who spotted it and just happened to fly directly over the top of it, Hutchings said. He was like, whoa, 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 turn around, turn around. And I was like, what? And he's like, there's this thing back there. We got to go look at it. Hutchings said the object looked man-made and appeared to have been firmly planted in the ground, not dropped from the sky, but scrapings from the metallic object were sent to nearby labs for identification, and what was revealed was astonishing. The strange object appears to be made from an unknown metal containing isotopic properties that are not found on this earth. Just kidding, I made that last part up. Oh, Bryce, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm assuming it's some new wave artist or something, you know, somebody that was a big 2001 Space Odyssey fan, Hutchings said. The monolith is setting a resemble the famous scene from Stanley Kubrick's 1968 film in which a group of apes encounter a giant slab. After spotting the monolith, the helicopter crew landed to take a closer look. Uh, Crew members climbing on each other's shoulder to reach the top of the monolith. Hutchings said we were kind of joking around that if one of us suddenly disappears, then the rest of us make a run for it. Uh, That's all I'm going to read from that. But you get the idea. So, yeah. How wild is that, man? When I caught that, I was like, that's strange. But I mean, they still really don't know what it is. I emailed you the link to this. So if you want to take a look at the picture, you can check it out. The photos of that thing are awesome. That's, it's pretty it's, sweet. It's very cool. It, it's like very like reflective, kind of silvery metallic. It's very, oh. very 2001. And it's just it's just right. And look at it's in rams. the middle of nowhere, yeah. really. Yeah, so they, it, it begs the question, how did they get it out there? I mean, it, it would probably take more than one or two people to get it out there and install it into the ground if it was an art installation project. I think they they said they didn't release the location of it because they didn't. It was so remote that they didn't want people to try to go see it and then die out there. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. So it seems like whoever put it there must have used a helicopter or something, or you know, a UFO. Yeah, yeah y'all remember VR Troopers? <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like something off of VR Troopers, where <laughs> fully like or like like Power Rangers when they started going to space. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's strange. The placement of it too, it's facing like that crack in the in the wall, the rock wall there too. So like it looks like whoever put it there intended it to go right there against that backdrop. I'd say let's look in the crack and find out what's in there. I mean, this is this is the thing though, right? It's like so oftentimes like you know, in Bigfoot hunting, people will see like these strange tree structures that look like, you know, symbols in the forest and and no one person could make these giant tree structures. They bend and they twist and trees are planted upside down. And they're usually in the middle of the nowhere, which begs the question, you know, if this was hoaxed, I mean, they're taking a pretty big chance that nobody's going to see it, you know. And the same goes for this strange object in the middle of Utah, right? There there was no way of guaranteeing these people flying over was ever going to spot it. So it, it, it really, you know, it's a gamble if you're going to, you know. I mean, that's got to cost at least a, maybe a hundred thousand bucks or more to like put that in the fucking desert, you know. Uh, it's yeah. taking a big risk, you know. Yeah, but I mean, any art that you make, like this, probably no one's gonna see it. Yeah, like, all real. art is a risk. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's got fingerprints on it. Yeah, all right, right. I would have put like some strange hieroglyphic symbols in it or something, you know. I mean, I think that's kind of the genius if it is an installation that they're like, it, this could have been put there like 20 years ago and they're just sure. waiting for someone to find it, which is yeah. cool. Maybe it's an antenna from our future selves or something. Who knows? Some sort of time travel spawn point or something. Yeah, spawn point. Yeah. That was like a, that's like a major metropolitan area in the future. And so they're like, oh, we'll just go back there. And then they <laughs> pop back. and It's, it's a ping. Like, oh. It's a pin on a map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if we all got to go lick that as the vaccine? <laughs> You figured it out, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That'd be great. Everyone has to line up. The log line all That'd the way to the long Nevada. socially distanced line. Yeah. <laughs> then we all gotta the... lick it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Would you do you, it? Would you do it, you, Carl? Are you risking it? Are you ri- <laughs> like are you risking are you risking getting the Rona? Because you're licking this thing. That's the most that's the most disgusting thing you can do. <laughs> we're not shaking hands now everybody's elbow bumping but imagine if they said we all got to go lick this random thing i would and, like that wouldn't that be great if they just put that all over the major cities like a salt rock this is where the vaccine is yeah. everybody just meet here get just yours lick. take a quick lick but it's only doing it 
It's only one side, so you have to lick both sides just to make sure that you, you know, you don't know which side it is. Yeah. You got to lick them both. Um, That's a cool story. Uh, I'm going to say eccentric desert artists, because that's where all the crazy artists live. They all live out there in the desert. So I think you had me going with isotopic properties, though, Bryce. I was like, that sounds like not something Bryce would make up. What? (laughs) You really had me for a second there. You know, I got it. I got to think that, you know, if it was an art installation, which it more than likely is, the artist is probably seeing these headlines uh, ping across the Internet and going, yeah, and jump, jumping <laughs> you know? a bucket of cow's blood over their head. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just maybe just just to, you know, just to That's show hard. off. Um, all right. Well, uh, that wraps up our BCC news. Now it's time to ask our guests a question that we ask all of our uh, guests here in the virtual clubhouse. Carl Tart. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, is your personal paranormal history? Um, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really uh, believe in it and stuff. But I do believe that there's stuff happening out there. Like I'm not gonna put it down completely. Right, what I kind am, of stuff happening? I am par- paranormally agnostic. Oh, that's great. All right. Whereas, that's like, good, I haven't, se- I haven't seen any of it. I haven't seen evidence of it. But I stuff be weird sometimes. You know what I mean? I always mm-hmm. tell this story on, on shows when they talk about paranoia. I never seen a ghost or nothing like that. I have had situations that was that stuff has happened where it's like, wait, what? How did that happen? Like one time I almost got hit by a car and somebody yelled, and then I turned around and there wasn't nobody there to yell. Okay. Whoa. Well, that's, it's that's enough for us. We can make a whole episode out of that yeah. story alone. So where where was this and what how did it go down? This in my hometown. I'm from Pascagoula, Mississippi. <gasps> oh no shit. way. Yeah, which has a pretty good uh paranormal uh history. If yeah, you, you know sure about the the Pascagoula abductions, right? Yeah, Pascagoula. Ca- yeah, Pascagoula. Yes, thank you. I think <laughs> Calvin Parker and and someone else. I forget the other gentleman's name. Yeah, they but. went out on the river fishing. Where me and yeah. my grandpa would go fish in the same exact place. Whoa! Uh, we sit on a power line and go fish out there. They was out there like two o'clock in the morning going fishing. A nineteen year old dude and a forty two year old dude. Yeah. So listen, I'm not here. I'm. It ain't none of my business. But. <laughs> What they did, what, said, did you, what did your dad think of that? Did so obviously you guys knew of the story or have heard had heard of it? No, we we never talked about it. I hadn't mm. I hadn't heard about it till I got older. Wow, and was looking at alien abductions, people who had gotten abducted. Thing from like an episode of Unsolved Mysteries or something. And Robert Stack was like, 1973, <laughs> Pascagoula, Mississippi, and I'm like, what the fuck? I, what Robert Stack? Yeah, saying my hometown name, and that's when I kind of like started researching it. Wow, and so. I had, I, yeah, we never talked about it. We never, well, well, our story that we all grew up knowing about the river was when the French came to colonize the area, they, of course, did their thing and murdered a bunch of Native Americans. And the Pascagoula mm-hmm. tribe was like, we're not going down like that, but we're outnumbered. They got guns, they got all this stuff. So we're not. Like, we're not going to let them kill us. We'll kill ourselves. And they all walked into the Pascagoula River and drowned themselves. And while they were doing it, they were singing a song. Mm. And so the song is called, like, I don't know, I remember what the song was called, but the river, the Pascagoula River is also known as the Singing River. Because they say when you go out there real late, you can hear, like, a hum on the river. And a lot of stuff in our in our hometown is Singing River. So, like, the hospital I was born in is Singing River Hospital. Wow. And so that's that's the one that everybody knows. That's the one that everybody. Oh, wow. and, and is that the same river where the Pascagoula abduction happened? Yeah, same Zag River. That's interesting because that's never popped up in the research that, that we've done on that story. I mean, I'm probably also don't do the deepest research, but you no. Know, but that's that sounds like a clue. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm. You know, not going to try and piece the two together, but something tells me. That might have something to do with the other. I mean, um, I don't know. It sounds like a ritual as they're going into the to the river to commit suicide, and and perhaps some magic with a K was created there, and yeah. making it a spot for high strangeness. I don't know. It, is that like folklore, or is that like that happened? That That's happened. A true story. Yeah, wow. the, there's two versions of it. The one version is it was when the French were coming to 
uh, or or Spanish, whoever it's Spanish because there's everything is like called like old Spanish trail and stuff like that. So it had to be the Spanish people coming to uh, take over the place. And then uh, there's this version that they kill themselves because of that. And there's a version that they kill themselves because of a war between two tribes. So maybe even mm. before the Europeans colonized the city, uh, the town, if you will, the area, mm. it wasn't anything back then. But yeah. it was, but yeah, that, so there's two versions of that, but that really happened. Like they really walked wow. into the river and drowned themselves. And that's mm, like that's a, city lore. Charles like, Hickson and Calvin Parker. Yeah. Okay. 1973. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, man nice recall on the date there, Carl. If <laughs> I, if I found out that that stuff, I mean, I, were you not scared of this stuff as a kid? Because that story would have terrified me. And then finding out about the UFO thing would have terrified me. I was scared of Singing River for sure. Like, yeah. But we never went down there at nighttime. The only time we were ever there at night was when we were driving over it. And and that didn't scare me because I was, you know, with my parents or something. Right. But like, <laughs> we never, we never drove. I, I, I never was there. We never went night fishing there. Like we would always, we would do early morning fishing and afternoon fishing when the tide was rolling in. But uh, we never went down there on night fishing. And then was, sometimes we go down and look at the ships because it's a it's a shipbuilding town. It's where all the naval ships, most of the naval ships and aircraft carriers and stuff are built in, in that town. And that was like the big industry, which was another story, actually. Uh, 1942, like World War II time, they uh, a lot of people came to live there because of the shipyard. And there was a story, if y'all ever heard of the Phantom Barber, where he was mm. like sneaking in people's windows and cutting no. off girls' hair. No. And so, yeah, it was like the Phantom Barber of Pascagoula. And he never was caught. They they arrested a man, but that dude was like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. So he would sneak uh, in and give people a haircut. Yeah. And then just like sneak out of their house. We this need is- that today now more than ever. Yeah, we can use that, honestly. Yeah, as long as he's wearing a mask. Right, right. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it's cool. But it's a, a Michael, it's a Michael Meyer mask. Yeah. <laughs> as long as his nose is covered. <laughs> Seriously, he got oh the my Michael God, Myers out there. His chin, doing the chin mask. <laughs> you know that guy was just taking all that hair back and sticking it under his bed. Yeah, you that's know what they I mean? say. Well, the dude that they caught, they found a bag of hair mm. behind his house. Come on, but they still some. A lot of people think that that wasn't him <laughs> because wow. that dude had had some beef with the sheriff of the, or the or the 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 judge of the court system at uh, that time, and so planted. he snuck into their house. And he was whooping that ass, and <laughs> but he was like, "Yo, I ain't been, I ain't been cutting people's hair." I, yes, I was in there whooping that ass because <laughs> me and the judge got beef. But I wasn't cutting people's hair. The hair thing is separate. Yeah. That's a different thing. <laughs> How did the beef with the judge start? What was that about? I don't know that part of it. A they bad haircut. Yeah, bad. bad, bad <laughs> like all of this That'll is ironically connected. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm not the dude cutting people's hair. <laughs> was I trying to kill the judge? Yes. yes. Did his wife wake yeah. up and I had to hit her too? Yes. <laughs> but I wasn't cutting no hair. <laughs> so what happened the night? I'm going to say it's a night. It might have been a day when you almost got hit by a car. Oh, yeah. And, and you heard a voice. So, And how pa- close were you to this, the Singing River when this happened? I was across the street from Singing River Hospital. Okay. <laughs> Where you were born. Where I was born, yeah. Okay, that's And weird. I wasn't supposed to be over there. That's the thing. So I was crossing the street and but here, here's how the story started. Me and my friends, you know, when you got a, when you're a small town during the summertime, you know, your parents kind of kick you out of the house early in the morning and they like, don't come back to the street lights. Come on. And, but also you got rules set. Like you can't go past this area. You can't go past here. You can't go do, do this. And the town is a small town, but it's not the smallest place. There is a busy highway, highway 90, which uh, you can drive that connects to the 10. The 10 freeway that gets all the way back to LA. And, uh, but so you, you're supposed to stay away. You're not supposed to cross 90. Like we can stay below 90 because that's where we live. You can go down to the beach if you want to. You can stay in that area, but don't cross Highway 90. It's just a really busy highway. And not because there's like a werewolf over there or anything. It's just because you don't no. you don't want to get run over. Okay. Yeah, you just don't want to get run over by a car. It's this is a scary big... town. So far, all yeah. I've been told it's full of monsters. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what's on the other side of ninety. But uh, <laughs> behind my grandma's house, so next door to my grandma's house was a. Uh, forgive my 
use of the word, but that's what we grew up calling it, an Indian reservation. And is and is is it's was this abandoned house next door that I guess was like a clubhouse or something for one of the local tribes. And but nobody was in there when when I was growing up. It was just a a piece of property that was next door and it had this house on it. And behind there was like a back house. And I grew up never really seeing we didn't really have homeless people in our town. Like you saw drug addicts and you know v- vagrants and stuff, but they all seemed to have to go to a place to sleep at night. And so there was this dude who lived behind us that we knew as Booker T. And Booker T never said nothing to nobody. He never said he never said anything like he just was a guy that lived back there and he would beat on the side of the house with like a stick or something like that. Glah, 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 glah. And you would just hear that. And then we'd like be in the backyard playing and throwing the football and stuff like that. And you just hear that. Glah, glah, glah. It's like, oh, that's Booker T beating on the house right there. Like, and it was probably like 30 yards away from my grandma's backyard, just like a little back house in the woods. Trees had grown up all around it. So we never really explored over there. My uncle one time, uh, my uncle's a crazy dude. He jumped over and like was about to, he's like, I'm going to go knock on his door. And everybody's like, no, no. And then he like <laughs> walked, like he hopped to my grandma's fence and like started climbing a little bit. And then he heard the knocks. <laughs> he like jumped back over and ran to the house. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but anyway, you know, we never, he never bothered us. We never bothered him. He would go collect bottles and cans uh, early, 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 early in the morning. Like, and he would have like a long line of buggies full of bottles and cans. And he would like have like, if it was raining or if it wasn't raining, he would just like have his feet tied up in plastic bags. His hair would be tied up in plastic bags and he'd be have like a rain suit on or something. But he walked all over the town and he would sometimes go use my grandmama's backyard. as kind of like a path. It wasn't a big deal. Like my grandma knew it. Huge Southern Mississippi backyard. Anyway, so Booker T was always, you know, kind of <laughs> around. And but you never really saw him in the daytime. You only saw him like real early. Like me and my grandma would go to the farmer's market at like six o'clock in the morning on Saturday mornings. And we would see Booker T walking down. Out, mm. Well, like walking down the highway. And we'd be like, Grandma, I go Booker T. Like <laughs> he would just be like walking, pushing his buggies. He ain't ever bothered nobody. No one ever saw mm. a pair of scissors in his hands, right? Never. No. Okay, no, no. Good. All right, all right. But this is the 90s. If he had, if he was still around that long, man. <laughs> but uh, he, so one day my friends ride by the house and they knock on the door, ask my grandma if I can come out. She, she says, yeah, give me the rundown on what I can and can't do. I know, I know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, she can't check, you know, she can't see me. And so my friend said, let's ride to Walmart where we could play video games in the back of the store, you know, in, mm. in the video game section. And so I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. I'm 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 not gonna not say I'm not gonna get called out for being, you know, scared or something like that. So yeah, let's ride our bikes to Walmart. Walmart was across Highway 90. And so we going and like we driving and I see Booker T walking down the hallway. This is I mean walking down the street. This is weird because this is like midday. And uh see him and we're trying to get back and like we're rushing trying to get back because it's getting late and we're probably trying to give it. So I see Booker. I'm like, why is he out in the evening? He's never out like at this time. So I hit this corner off of Highway 90, and I just hear, hi, like a huge yell after I seen Booker T. And I hear, hi, like that. And the next thing I know, I look back, and I look back to the side. There's a car right here. My foot is on the hood of the car. And they're like <laughs> screeching on brakes. And they're like, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. I didn't see you. I didn't see you. I didn't see you. And I'm like, what? Like, and I heard that. Hey, and my friends had already like passed me. I had, oh, that's what happened. Like I had left my friends because I got scared. Like I wasn't <laughs> supposed to be over there, and I was like, somebody's gonna see me over here, and they're gonna tell my grandma, and I'm gonna get a whooping. So I'm going back. And they was like, all right. And so I went back by myself. I almost got hit by the car. I look back. Booker T's nowhere to be seen. What? And I Whoa. had just seen him. <laughs> and you know he was still beat on the side of the house and stuff like that after that. So he didn't like disappear in the thin air. Mm-hmm. But it was just the most like random encounter. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was him that yelled. I don't know if it was another car that yelled, but there wasn't really no cars around there that would have seen this happen with that timing. And that saved me from getting hit by that car. Yeah. I mean, what we do know is that potentially could have saved your life right there. Yeah. Sounds like it did. Yeah. That's so weird too, that it was so close to the hospital where you were born. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like if you believe that, 
and I don't, you know, I'm sort of agnostic on a lot of this stuff too, Carl, but let's say if you believe. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, he's just trying to play to, Compared cool. to you. <laughs> but no, but well, this specifically, like if there's like guardian angels or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, it would kind of make sense that maybe you being so close to the point where you came into this world, maybe there, it was easier for them. I don't know. I'm just trying to like write the narrative, like maybe cause you were so close to that spot that there was like someone there that could connect with you in that area. I don't know. Let, let me ask this. I mean, where you did see Booker T and he said, Hey, uh, and then a few moments later you heard that shout. I mean, was there any place he could have hid behind or I mean, uh, no, nah, I was in the it, middle of a busy intersection. Wow. Right. Somebody was just making a right turn and hadn't stopped. I think it was like a teenager or something, probably. Do you think it was him that shouted? Like, or do I don't you know because think- he wasn't. I did not see him. Like after the shout, I looked back. I did not see him. I don't know who shouted. Hmm. Wow. I don't know who That's- shouted. Did you tell your grandma? No, I would have got my ass. <laughs> of course not. Right. You can't tell her the story without getting busted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything like that ever happen again in your life? Any weird? Because you said there's weird stuff in Pascagoula and you you believe in some kind of weird stuff out there. Is there any other indication that, hey, maybe somebody out there is helping me that I can't see? No, that was the one time. I mean, there's definitely been situations where I have uh, been in hairy situations. So I moved uh, to L.A. pretty young and we lived in uh, not the best neighborhoods and, you know, my mom tried to keep me sheltered and shielded from everything that was bad in the world. But at a certain point, you kind of got to let me go hang out with my friends. You're like, I'm like going to have to cross the highway at some point, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to have yeah. to cross the highway. Uh, and in L.A., crossing the highway is going into parties at, in bad neighborhoods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you go to you go to parties like that and then something in your bones says, hey, let's get out of here. And then we leave and you hear the gunshots or, you know, stuff like that. I've been in those situations, been in situations where, you know, yeah, exit off a, a exit just because your heart is telling you. And then like you look up and you see an accident or something like that's yeah. happened. So it sounds it's like, you, like you trust your yeah. gut. You got a sixth sense about things, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I've always kind of trusted, trusted my gut. In, in the sense of like, and it ain't like Final Destination, like death is following you. Know? <laughs> I but, don't know. Sounds like you escaped it. Nah, I hate that. I hate to even think about that. No, but I, uh, but yeah, like I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a just trusting your gut. And I think, I don't know if that's like, like, okay, this situation's weird. Any, is there any part of you though that goes, I might be psychic because, of course, that's where my brain will go in that situation. I think about that when I have deja vu and it scares the living crap out of me. Whoa. Do you have it often? No, not often, hmm. but it'll happen where I'll be like, I've seen this before. <laughs> but have yeah. you ever read how, how deja vu happens? Well, tell us Whereas about like, it. I've heard a couple theories, but what's what's the one you apparently like? Apparently, it's your brain. You know, you we all have images of like places that we've been, places that we've seen things and your brain kind of formulates these tiny little pictures in your head that are like 20% of a situation that you are, will eventually be a part of. And then once you get there, like the rest of your brain goes, this, this was it, this was it. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, nah, probably not. Like you were probably wow. just in a room and now it's you're like in you- another room. It's like, I've seen this room before. <laughs> I've been in a room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's sort of like your brain being like, just applying the rules of all rooms to this room. And it's sort of yeah. like short circuiting, circuiting your brain. That that would make sense. I've also heard that like sometimes deja vu is when the memory's getting sort of like your brain is bypassing the present moment and putting it into memory. I don't mm. know if that makes sense, but it's sort of like mm. jumping to the, me- so you're sort of like accessing the memory of the moment while it's happening in wow. sort of a, like a little neuron brain loop, I guess. I don't know. I've heard that. That makes sense, though. That makes sense. Where you're, I mean, your brain is like is 
like assuming a lot the whole time it's operating like constantly like yeah when you like study like the visual system it's like it sort of just gets cues and then it's like oh that's a car oh that's a person whatever but you don't really take the time to actually see things like so much of your reality is just constructed in your head anyways so it makes sense that you would get that (laughs) all of it all of it really yeah well it makes sense with memory yeah just to piggyback up what you were saying most of what the brain does is edit information you know what i mean it's taking in so much data that it really you know so much of it is just eliminating it so that you can not be crazy you know mm-hmm. yeah your brain is, out, is putting your head to sabotage you yeah. <laughs> mine is your brain is bad <laughs> we shouldn't have them <laughs> let's get rid of them we don't need them making me Seems think like i've been working on getting rid of them lately making me think know. i've been in this room before <laughs> stupid brain <laughs> I always feel like when I have deja vu, I've had a couple that I I feel like I'm I'm like, "Oh, I dreamt this." I'll be like, yeah. "I've I've seen this house in a dream before or th- this moment has seemed to, you know, that's what it always feels like." Again, I want to make myself psychic whenever these sort of things happen, but I do feel like sometimes it's specifically like, "Whoa, I had a dream I saw this thing," you know. I was going to say that, too. I mean, that's more of the woo side explanation of it as well, because, you know, dreams have been I mean, there is research that suggests that dreams can be prophetic and that, you know, through the subconscious dream world, you can sort of tap into future events and perhaps, you know, in a deep slumber, you know, you're actually experiencing some of what you're going to actually come into physically later. And boom, that's when deja vu happens. You know, you're like, I've seen this more than just seen it. It's I've experienced this before. I hate the idea of that. Mm. That's the scariest thing. Don't <laughs> you think? Yeah. Why is it, I mean, why is it I don't want to predict the future. I don't <laughs> right. want to know what happens in the future. <laughs> well, I mean, that's certainly the implications are huge, right? That the future is really already laid out or at least, yeah. you that know, moments and like sections that, yeah. of it. And you know how, like, when you, when you know how you can't get a negative thought out of your head when something's happening, like when you get on a plane and you can't think of nothing but cast away. And it's like, I don't want to, come on, get out of here. Let's watch some porn. Damn it, Wilson. And then the person next to you is like, why are you watching porn? Because I'm trying not to crash. This is a question. I'm doing this for you. (laughs) This this actually brings up a question that we've never asked on this show before, uh, which is if you guys could find out your death date, would you look at it? No. No. No? No. Definitely not. Bryce is thinking about it. Yeah, that's fucked up. Uh... Yeah, I might, I might want to know because and you know you can't change it, and even if nothing you, I could do about and it, and there's huh? nothing that's gonna, nothing's gonna happen between now and then that'll kill you. Well, that that <laughs> case is different. Yeah. If there's, if you're guaranteed to live till then, it's then you can guar- do whatever like, the this fuck is you want. The day, so I yeah, <laughs> just you know, just start chain smoking and just yeah. well, just going for <laughs> yeah. it. You know, you know, I think of like I think of like cancer patients who get like a, a terminal prognosis that Why changes. Why did we have their, to go here? God, well, damn because it. because it it's already almost dark like, enough. It's almost <laughs> the same thing, right? If you get told by a doctor you have six weeks to live. Uh, those people's lives change. They put their lives in order and they, and they sort of try and, you know, they, they sort of tend with chaos, you know, and they, they put their lives in order and they, they put things in priority and they do things they probably would have never done before. So, you know, I mean, that's the thing, right? If we all just, I think so often we all forget that we're going to die at some point, you know, and it's like, if if you can actually seriously wrestle with that, those implications, then perhaps, you know, we could, put our lives in order and and do the things that we you know bryce why don't you just do that now we gotta live for the day buddy (laughs) yeah yeah but at the same time you know you gotta you gotta go for it too because you know life doesn't last forever man i would maybe want to know i don't know I don't want to know. And I and I say this being like, if somebody's like, you click on this link, you'll see what day. Remember they used to do that on MySpace? Oh, they were yeah, always right. Yeah, ass, I I like, you want to see what day you die? And I, it's like, you knew it wasn't real, but it's like, ah, damn, I kind of want to see. They had, but that was, like, so but you don't want to fuck with that juju either. You're yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, all right, I'll click yeah. on it. It's also just like, I love the early clickbait stuff. They're like, we know how to get these idiots. Yeah, We know the day you're going to die. And now they're yeah. like, oh, well, we have to come up. Let's like, at least now it's just like, You'll never believe what happened to this hot lady. And then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, my God. What about other kind of stuff like Carl, like like Bigfoots and aliens? Well, and, and, Bryce, and we have the perfect way to find out. We certainly do. Because now it's time to play a game with Carl that we play with all of our guests. 
Carl, I'm going to go down a list of phenomena in mm-hmm. rapid fire style. If you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it, even if you don't believe it 100%. Okay. Because you're an agnostic man, just like all of us here on this podcast. And then uh, if you are not open to it, you're going to say bullshit. Okay. Okay. Go, with, go use, with your gut. Use all the inflection you want to tell us where you are on that fence, but you can only say believe it or bullshit. Okay. This is a game that we like to call Bullshit or Believe It. All right. Carl Tart, on your mark, get set, ghosts. B- believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. ESP. ESP. Uh, Extrasensory like perception. So like psychic powers. Uh, bullshit. Shadow people. Believe it. Unicorns. Bullshit. Alien abductions. Bullshit. Oh, man, your hometown is very upset at you right now. Yeti. <laughs> Believe it. Mothman. Believe it. Out-of-body experiences. Believe it. Tarot cards. Believe it. Demonically possessed dolls. Believe it. <laughs> the healing power of crystals. Believe it. An alien spacecraft crashed at Roswell. Believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Atlantis. Believe it. Haunted Houses. Believe it. Skunk Ape. I don't know what that is. So bullshit. Oh, Carl, guess what? You've unlocked a secret game. It hasn't happened in a while. Uh, stay tuned for until we get to the end of this list. <laughs> the Jersey Devil. Believe it. The Biblical Devil. Believe it. Speaking to the Dead. Uh, believe it. Mermaids. Bullshit. The government is hiding the truth about Sasquatch. Absolutely believe it. Past lives. Believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it, yeah. Life after death. <sighs> believe it. Carl Tart, well Dude. done. Right. I'm very wow. excited yeah. about some I of these I was not answers. expecting that. Because you yeah. said, and I, and I called a couple of those bullshit that I probably should have said believe it. Well, we can circle back and talk about any of these ones you want to. Now, mermaids, demonic- I said bullshit. It ain't just no fine ass women with fish legs in the ocean. <laughs> so you say. <laughs> what about some creepy sea, sea creature? I believe in sea creatures. All right, because <laughs> we don't know, but because we don't know what's down we there. We found yeah. the giant squid very recently. We all did the dark zone, light zone science project in the fourth grade. I don't know what right. this is. Oh, I made oh, a, a collage out of a, uh, you know, you, you so, so half the class got chosen to, to uh, be the light side. It was like dolphins and fish that we see. And half the class got chosen to do the dark side. And you make a collage out of a shoebox, like put blue construction paper and make like the ocean and put all the fish in it and stuff like that. Riley's nodding his that, head. I did that. I did that project, too. I know you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> did you put sea creatures in yours? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and the and the, the dark ocean car- creatures are the. That's cool what I'm saying, ones, Carl. Like you... the weird, like dangly thing. Yeah, with the, the light, light with the yeah. Stuff. No, I like that. That's yeah. it's crazy, man. But like yeah. when you look at a dark, a dark, like a dark section, dark side creature, like <laughs> you don't know how big it is, and it looks like the way it looks. Like yes, those are yeah. absolute made of nightmares. Yeah, actual monsters. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm with, okay. Great. I'm with you. Uh demonically possessed dolls i think you hit a pretty hard believe it i don't trust i don't trust it i ain't never seen no evidence <laughs> right i don't trust it yeah i don't Safe trust bet. It. yeah what <laughs> if what if you were handed what if a magical man told you that he could tell you whether or not demonically possessed dolls actually existed would you want to know the answer to that yeah yeah, I do, I do that because that ain't got nothing to do with me dying. But I, what if I, you, uh, what if it's a demo? You know yeah, you don't know. That. You mean the first question would be, what do you mean by magical man? <laughs> How are you a magical man? No, I, I believe just, a magical man, or a magic, you know, magical man with a magical website that you can click right, on. Right. Uh, um, there was another one. Now I'm, I'm that you were uh, okay. Alien abductions, you say no to, but you're open to aliens UFOs. and crash UFOs. Yeah, that's why. That's the one that I'd say I may have to believe it. You may but have to believe it. You want to go? Back. I may have to believe it. Just, but I'm. That's those people who who have been abducted. Something about them is 
a little off to me. <laughs> okay, mm. fair enough. <laughs> well, you know, they were abducted by aliens, Carl, so we shouldn't judge. Um, yeah. All right, so I mentioned that we unlocked a, a hidden game within the game, or you did, actually, Carl. Uh, Bryce, I hope you're ready. As ready as I'm going to be. I'm going to set up a clock here. This is a game <laughs> called 60 Seconds to Sell Skunk Ape. And Bryce has exactly 60 seconds, Carl, to convince you that Skunk Ape is real. Bryce, okay. on your mark, yeah, get set, sell Skunk Ape. Carl, this shouldn't be too big of a stretch since you did believe in Bigfoot and Yeti. So it's simple. simple. Skunk Ape is Florida's version of Bigfoot. It's just in southeastern Bigfoot. Uh, and it's been seen around the swamps and the Everglades. And as a matter of fact, if you have a search bar, you can just type in Skunk Ape. And one of the most uh, evidentiary pictures is this creature uh, where you can see the glowing red eyes and next to some palmetto trees. And as the story goes, an old lady wrote a letter to her sheriff's office. She said, did somebody lose an orangutan because she had children and she was worried about this sort of large hulking creature that she saw uh, in her backyard taking the apples. But she ended up saying... I took two pictures in the dark seconds. of the night, and uh, and you can actually see those pictures. It's hard because I just Googled Ten. Skunk Ape, and now a whole lot of shit comes up. But anyway, I'll just simply say, you know, it's Florida's Five, Bigfoot. Four, three, two. Time on the clock. One. <laughs> wow. Done. Look at that. Look at All right, that. You're done, dude. Uh, Yes, old. I yeah, Great. I believe I believe oh, in that type oh, of thing. Right. 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 Well done, dude. Well done. I mean, I believe you know, Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster, like none of those seem too crazy out of the ordinary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they seem like the deeper you get, that's why I stay away from jungles and, and such. Like because oh, we've seen you. regular we've seen things that we like you've seen alligators that are like the size of you know, a, a car, a mid-sized sedan. Yeah, and that's like, river monsters. Yeah, yeah, like, and we've seen that. We've seen it on TV. We've seen it online. Like, it's real. So why wouldn't there be a gorilla type dude chilling out? Like, and you know he stink. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing is they all stink. I don't know why Skunk Ape is specifically the one uh, that's told. Well, he's, he's well one stripe, of the right? one of the original sightings was from a, a Florida Wild and Games uh, management official who him and his partner saw something running away, and on the back it had sort of like that that white hair, uh, you know, careening down its back. So, okay. Oftentimes, like uh, some silverback gorillas, but that's what coined the nickname. Gotcha, uh, Skunk Ape. Uh, so it was like Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, in a or, way. Or the cat with the white paint on her. Yeah, but it'll bite yeah. your freaking head off, man. Mm. Nah, I believe in that stuff. <laughs> All right, well, we have to take a break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness with our very own Bryce Johnson. And we're back, and it's time for this week's story of high strangeness with our very special guest, Carl Tart. Bryce, it's your turn this week. What do you got for us? All right, listen up. Aside from aliens landing on the White House lawn, I can't think of a better place for a UFO to get our attention than showing up at one of the busiest airports in the world. Because that's exactly what happened on November 7, 2006, around 4.15 p.m. at Chicago O'Hare's International Airport, when a ramp employee who was pushing back United United Airlines Flight 446 bound for North Carolina suddenly felt compelled to look up. And when he did, he saw a large gray metallic disc silently hovering directly above him. After taking a few moments to realize what it was he was actually seeing, reality snapped back with the realization that a giant UFO was now pervading unauthorized airspace, which not only constituted a possible threat, but an impending danger for inbound and outbound traffic. He radioed the United Airlines Operations Center then told the crew in the airplane beside him to look up, which they did. The crew members, including the pilot, opened up the side cockpit windows and saw for themselves the ominous craft. The first officer, aged 39 with over 13,000 flight hours, said the UFO was a dirty aluminum color, very stable and without any optical distortions near it. It was perfectly round and silent. The ramp employee who wished to remain anonymous said that he thought the object was around 80 feet in diameter, between 500 and 1,000 feet altitude directly above gate C-17, where he was working at that time. 
He was sure that the UFO was round and rotating pretty fast. After staring at it for what seemed like forever, the object shot off into the dense clouds at high velocity, leaving a hole in the clouds where it broke through, on the other side of which he could see the clear blue sky. Around a dozen other United Airlines employees, including pilots, mechanics, baggage handlers, and even senior supervisors, saw the strange object as well, including an untold number of other eyewitnesses around the airport. One man there to pick up a family member had this to say. I was there picking up my brother and saw it. It was oval and looked like it was in water. Real strange. When that thing shot up and punched that hole in the cloud, the lady next to me screamed. They even stopped the air traffic for it. Hundreds or even thousands of people saw it. Witnesses reported that the object just hovered there for the better part of 15 minutes or so and then just took off, leaving everyone to wonder what in the hell they just saw. One United employee who appeared emotionally shaken by the sighting said she experienced some religious issues over it. However, when the flight tower was alerted and asked if the object could be seen on their radar, the response was negative. They weren't getting anything, nor could they see the object from their position. Word, of course, traveled fast and quickly reached the desk of John Hilkovich, who wrote for the transportation section of the Chicago Tribune, and who's credited for originally breaking the story a few days later. John immediately reached out to United Airlines for comment, but was surprised to hear a complete and total denial of the incident ever taking place, though later would learn that United Airlines had allegedly began its own internal safety review of the incident the day after it occurred, with employees instructed to write reports and draw pictures of what they observed. They were also allegedly... <laughs> I like the can to draw pictures. Yeah, I'd love Brought to all see into some a room, of those. They're like, okay, guys, we have a box of crowns. Box of crowns, yeah, totally. <laughs> they were also allegedly told to not talk about what they saw to anyone, and it quickly became apparent management simply wanted the whole incident to just go away. A baggage handler who was working the sea terminal for United at the time and who witnessed the event had this to say. The supervisors came and talked to all of us and said, we can't talk about this to anyone or we get fired. They said something about federal regulation and other unauthorized reporting of false airspace breaches. Ultimately, United Airlines decided against a full investigation and the findings of their safety review were not known. And seeing as this is how there was no confirmation from the radar, it certainly made it easier for the airline to take that position. Hilkovich then contacted the FAA, but they too denied having any information on the O'Hare UFO sighting. Sensing a possible cover-up, John, along with the Chicago Tribune, filed a Freedom of Information Act, which forced the FAA to order an internal review of all air traffic communications. According to the FAA report, Nothing was detected by radar at that location or time of day or seen by air traffic controllers from the main tower. However, the logs did uncover a call by the United Supervisor to an FAA manager in the airport tower concerning the UFO sighting. With not much to go on other than eyewitness reports, the FAA concluded that the sighting was caused by a weather phenomenon and that the agency would therefore not be investigating the incident. Elizabeth Corey an FAA official suggested that all the witnesses had seen and misperceived some sort of abnormal weather phenomenon, or perhaps ground lights shining upward and reflecting off the bottom of the cloud layer at the time, saying, quote, That night was a perfect atmospheric condition in terms of low cloud ceiling and a lot of airport lights. When the lights shine up into the clouds, sometimes you can see funny things. Funny things. That's our take on it. End quote. However, one eyewitness who saw the craft from an adjacent parking lot said, It was definitely an object, not a lenticular cloud or any other weather phenomenon. At its closest, it was no more than a quarter of a mile from me, and I saw it fly off. It was very clearly a controlled craft of some sort very conspiratorial take i like it and some of the other witnesses interviewed by the chicago tribune said they're upset that neither the government nor the airline is probing the incident the united airlines baggage handler who also witnessed the craft had this to say some of us are getting angry with this being hushed up with all the terrorism and tsa idiots hanging around if we see a funny looking bag all damn hell breaks loose 
park a funny silver thing a few hundred feet above a busy airport, and everyone tries to hush it up. It just don't make sense. A United pilot who wished to remain anonymous was ironically landing at the time of the incident and said it was indeed something a lot of his peers saw. He also stated that no pilot in his right mind would go on record with such a serious claim unless they were absolutely convinced they saw something extraordinary. He followed up this comment to it being like reporting little green gremlins on the wing of the plane. Unless you want to be doing desk duty for the rest of your career, it's best to keep your mouth shut. He brings up a good point. When much of the aviation community and governing bodies have always been known to have an extremely cavalier and trivializing attitude toward UFOs, like Craig Berzik, a union official and ATC specialist in the tower who was quoted as saying this, To fly seven million light years to O'Hare and then have to turn around and go home because your gate was occupied is simply unacceptable. Serious UFO investigators have argued that the FAA's refusal to look into the incident contradicts the agency's mandate to investigate possible security breaches at American airports, such as in this case. An object witnessed by numerous airport employees and officially reported by at least one of them hovering in plain sight over one of the busiest airports in the world left a lot of employees upset that federal officials declined to further investigate the matter. According to a report submitted to the National UFO Reporting Center, a witness, who again wished to remain anonymous, was working in his office when he heard the operations center announcement about the UFO over the company's radio frequency at about 4.30 p.m. He immediately left his office and walked to the gate B-5 area, where he looked up and saw the UFO located at about a 45-degree angle. He was quoted as saying, I stood outside in the gate area not knowing what to think, just trying to figure out what it was. I knew no one would make a false call like that. If somebody was bouncing a weather balloon or something else over O'Hare, we had to stop it because it was in very close proximity to our flight operations. And he was right. Even the National Aviation Reporting Center on Anomalous Phenomena, or NARCAP, agreed and published a 155-page report on the sighting and has called for a government inquiry and improved energy sensing technology stating, anytime an airborne object can hover for several minutes over a busy airport but not be registered on radar or seen visually from the control tower constitutes a potential threat to flight safety. Regardless, the event gained quite a bit of notoriety and went on to garner reports and news segments from various news media outlets. It quickly became the most read story on Chicago Tribune's website, Tribune.com at that time, receiving over a million hits in a matter of weeks. A movie was even made about the strange event, starring Gillian Anderson from X-Files fame. Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson from X-Files Bryce, fame. watch the fucking X-Files. From- I know. I'm feeling her, too, yeah. lately. Paranormal- even in Crown yeah. Four as Margaret Thatcher. I don't know. She's you do a paranormal podcast and sending you out those vibes, and I'm picking I'm- up on them. Which centers on college student who sees a UFO hovering above a major airport and uses his exceptional math skills to investigate the sighting with his friends while the FBI follows closely behind. The film was released in 2018 and appropriately titled UFO. And come to find out, it wasn't the first time O'Hare has had a close encounter. A little digging revealed that in 1952, a similar object was reported over Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. The UFO was described as a smooth, silver, flat, oval-shaped object which moved faster than any jet fighter and was witnessed by three USAF air policemen as well as separately located firemen. So, if you're traveling over the holiday break, be sure to be safe, wear a mask, and look out your plane window because you never know what you might see. And that's it. That's uh, the story of Chicago's O'Hare UFO, which has been on my list for some time. But uh, yeah, what do you think of that, Carl? Carl, do you remember when this happened? No, I don't remember when it happened, but I do believe it uh, because those people wouldn't just be lying about that. Yeah. You know, Uh, in that NARCAP report, there's so many other eyewitness testimonies, too. I mean, dozens upon dozens. Uh, I only picked out a few of my favorites. But but. nobody got footage of it nobody i mean there is self uh, one person claimed that his buddy next to him was recording it on his uh cell phone at that time but then you know his memory card ran out after about 30 seconds so you know to take you back to 2000 iphone right yeah yeah this is pre-iphone so most of these were flip phones with uh you know 
not the best cameras or videos. Uh, but there are a few images floating out there. Uh, there's one I thought that might be authentic and uh you can't see much but it certainly shows an object well, in the sky pass but... it over to your old pal michael we'll throw it up on the instagram when this yeah i sure drop. will absolutely <laughs> but that that was a frustrating thing too is i was hoping there would be more uh video and uh and, and photographic evidence but but there's enough in this and in, in the narcap report to to say something was over gate c17 carl what the hell was that what the hell was was this was this thing mm-hmm. what, what's going on I think it's a UFO. <laughs> I can believe in that. Nice. I just all these people are saying that they saw. It. I know they didn't. I know they didn't come. You know. I know they didn't like get together and and yeah. make this story up. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. All these people, like all these baggage handlers, they was like, okay, y'all, we're going to say it was a UFO. No, <laughs> they really saw this. And people well, were... why would they make it up? They felt, as you could tell from all of them remaining anonymous, they all really felt that their job was on the line, especially yeah. when United was like, they don't also talk didn't about wanna... this. And they're not snitches. They didn't want to snitch on aliens. So they was like, look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also just like people coming and going to the airport passengers saw this stuff too so it's not like they're gonna get together even if there was some sort of o'hare conspiracy they're not getting together with the people that work there this Mm. is the thing that just drives me nuts is when you have a mass sighting like this and still the fda fda faa the fda 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 was even involved (laughs) all those dentists um but the the faa getting together just just gaslighting everyone and saying nope you didn't you may have saw something, but it's not it's not what yeah. you think you saw. And you, you mentioned something when we were playing the game about government hiding Sasquatch. Oh Sasquatch. good. That reminds, yes. yeah. 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 I don't trust the government at all. Yeah. So I I believe they got a lot of stuff that they're not telling us. I yeah. would have to agree with you, especially when we're learning more and more about some of these programs that aren't supposed to exist, but yet are being uncovered by major news organizations and uh, and diehard journalists. So, well, yeah, you've got a great point. And especially if they've got something flying over one of the most populated, busiest airports in the United States, they're not going to admit they let something that was unauthorized fly into that airspace. Well, yeah, you got to shut that because, yeah, you, at that point, that just shows you, you got to shut it down. It shows, just shows how powerless the the, yeah. the the FAA and the government is from keeping these things out of our skies. And O'Hare is the hub of United. Yeah, yeah, that's Stay exactly well, right. That's a great point. Aches. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you think about that hole that it left in the in the clouds where you could see uh, the blue sky beyond it. it. It certainly suggests maybe a superheated or otherwise radiated object that broke through that cloud cover because planes go through those clouds all the time and it doesn't leave a hole in the clouds. Yeah, and how fast you know? it was going. Unless yeah. Wiley Coyote is f- flying the plane. Of right, right. Of yeah. course. You know, and it also brings up things like the Chicago Mothman, which has been uh, an interesting point of discussion for our podcast as of recent as well. And the recent Jetpack Man over Los Angeles, LAX. Have you heard about that, Carl? No. What is that? There's a Jetpack Man flying around LA. Flying around LA, right? right? Yeah, this was recently two separate uh, reports of pilots seeing what looked like a a man in a jetpack flying over restricted airspace over Los LAX. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those people who actually make those jetpacks say that's a little too high for for what our jetpacks are capable of. This is why I feel like you got to give pilots guns so they can (laughs) pop open that window and just bust. You know, problem solved. Yeah, they're slowing down enough. By the time they get over LAX, unless they're taking off, if they if they land in, they're slowing down enough to where you could just you know pop open. You know, pilots' windows open up. Yeah, 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 side cockpit. Yeah, yeah. So they can just pop out, hit them with the heat real quick, pump a couple hot ones in that jetpack. Go fish them out the Pacific Ocean. Go fish them out of Venice Beach. And then go go get get that jetpack and go figure out how we made it. Uh, uh, (laughs) Carl Tart, thank you so much for being a guest on the show this week. Uh, So wonderful to have you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, y'all. This was very fun. Uh, Uh, What a pleasure. Please, likewise. Um, We, Carl, we don't know where to find Bigfoot, but where can people find you? Uh, I'm only on Instagram, and I said, damn it, Carl. D-A-M-M-I-T-C-A-R-L. And... uh, yeah, man. Tip your waiters and waitresses. Hell yeah. I get uh, down real quick. Uh, treat your service workers right. 
because they work hard. Amen, so, and Amen. I know that I know that Postmates bill comes in. It's like, damn, this is expensive. <laughs> but you know, just try to throw them an extra couple of dollars. Yeah, we all got to keep it afloat, and especially this is good advice coming from the uh, the host of our new segment, Two Bites Till Heaven. Yeah, <laughs> two bites, two bites to heaven. You two know, as you heaven. as you made that up, I was wondering if we should change the two bites to paradise so I could sing the Eddie Money song. Great. Oh, that's, well, oh, you better that's sing. Better. You better yeah. sing it yeah, for yeah. us so we can add it into the. We can make it. Riley. two bites to paradise. And I'm singing it like he was singing in that commercial a couple years ago. That's probably a disrespectful because <laughs> he passed away. He wasn't doing it's well. Okay. But uh, appreciate the, somewhere he's smiling yeah. down. He's like just not right a lot of diaphragm control in the old age, but we still love him. Uh, Bryce Riley, anything to plug before we go? Sure, check out my brand new game, Dirty Picture Cover-Up, available on our website, thedpcugame.com. Get it for the holidays, play with your family, have a lot of laughs. Uh, the new Spindrift record is now on pre-sale officially at alternativetentacles.com, so go check that out. Pre, uh, pre-buy pre yourself a record. It'll, we'll ship it uh, eventually. Fan- You'll get fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> and I, I, I'm going <laughs> to plug something I have nothing to do with and doesn't need my help, but our listeners were like, I watched uh, Truth Seekers on Amazon Prime, the new Nick Frost and uh, Simon Pegg comedy that's all about paranormal investigators. Oh, so wow. it's okay. very funny. It's a fun show. So uh, definitely I would check that, check that out. It was great cast in it. Um, and then in the meantime, please uh, subscribe uh, to our Patreon at uh, BCC, the other side, patreon.com slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. Please do us the favor and go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review and write a review. If you do, we will read it on the air like this one that says a new member, five stars by KMAX77. I happened upon this podcast after hearing the boys on High and Mighty and dove in with John Gabrus's episode, then Mike Mitchell and Nick Weiger and well, I was hooked. Well, I tell you what, wait till you hear this one with Carl Tart. Those are all my friends. I was going to say, uh, that's, that's your crew. Uh, they're the best guides through this wild universe. Love their humanity as well as their humor. Well, thank you, KMAC77. We appreciate it. Again, want to thank Carl Tart for being here. And thank all of you for listening to the show. Follow us on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and Twitter at Bigfoot Pod. Until next week, good night. And go get regressed. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.